I want to take as my text this morning a portion of that second reading from the letter of the Apostle Paul to the believers at Colossae, Colossians chapter 1, uh, verses 9 through 11, which if you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 1168, Colossians chapter 1 and beginning at verse 9, which I'd like us to read again just so that it's fresh in our minds. Colossians chapter 1 and beginning at verse 9. And Paul writes, And so from the day that we heard, or the day that we heard about you, we have not ceased to pray to God for you, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of His will. And all spiritual wisdom and understanding so as, or that you might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God. And may you be strengthened with all power according to His glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy. <laughs> This morning I want to talk about the true purpose of spiritual knowledge, or the true purpose of spiritual knowing. Simply put, the purpose of, the true purpose of spiritual knowing is a transformed life, a transformed life. Indeed, this is why Paul prays what he prays when he prays for the believers at Colossae. Indeed, notice again verse 9, and so from the day that we heard about you, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking God that you might be filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and all spiritual understanding. Now, interestingly enough, Paul, just, a, just by way of a, a bit of background, Paul never met these people. Uh, he, he, he'd never established a church in Colossae. He did one in, in Ephesus and other places in what was then known by the, what's called by the Romans, Asia Minor. That was a Roman province in what is now present-day Turkey. But instead, the church of Colossae was a church that had been established by a colleague of the Apostle Paul's named Epaphras. And when Paul was under house arrest in his first uh, imprisonment, Waiting uh, to go before Caesar, you remember that he was having trouble in Palestine, and finally, after years and years of being just put on hold and kept in prison and occasionally appearing in court, he appealed to Caesar, and so he was sent uh, to Rome, and he waited uh, under house arrest, chained. In fact, he mentions his chains here in his letter to the Colossians, chained to a Roman soldier while he was awaiting. But anyway, Epaphras, his colleague, went and visited him. Uh, in Rome, and when he was there, he told Paul about the, his establishing of this small group of believers in Colossae, and when Paul heard about them, he began to pray for them, and that fact, that's what he's talking about here, that God would fill How about that? Well, it's blinking. Where's Larry? We'll see how that goes. 
Anyway, he prayed that God would fill them with the knowledge of his will. That is, that they would come to know, truly know what God wanted them to do. And that with all spiritual wisdom, that is, wisdom that comes from the Holy Spirit, so that they would know the will of God, that they would be filled with spiritual wisdom. In fact, uh, in the in the tell you what, I'm so sorry. I haven't any real idea why this is happening. I don't know why it blinks like that. Da 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 That's this little tune I sing at home, by the way. Oh, look at that. He puts that thing right behind his collar. Doesn't that, isn't that a tricky little thing? Thank you. Okay. I just put new batteries in there, too. You didn't know you were going to get a, a show with this sermon. Anyway, the Apostle Paul is praying for the believers at Colossae, that they would be filled with the knowledge of God's will for them, and that they would be filled with spiritual wisdom and all spiritual understanding, that is, spiritual insight. But then Paul does, and this is the important point, that Paul doesn't stop there, because as believers, spiritual knowledge and understanding are never meant to be things unto themselves or means uh, or, or the end, uh, uh, or in, an end in themselves. Indeed, Paul also continues in his prayer and mentions three purposes for why it's critical for believers to be filled with all spiritual knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. And the first purpose is this, that we might live a life worthy of the Lord. We wouldn't think of this, I think, because much of what we learn, and we live in an information age, much of it has very little to do with what we end up doing. And much of what we learn serves sort of as a, in the role of entertainment. Just knowing it or being aware of it, even the news is a form of entertainment and seldom ever has any effect or a change, being a catalyst for change in the way that we go about living our lives. But that's not true of spiritual knowledge unless we're turning it into that and turning spiritual knowledge into sort of some kind of a spiritual entertainment. But the first purpose that Paul talks about is that we might live a life worthy of the Lord. Notice again verse 9. And so from the day we heard about you, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking God that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Verse 10, so as or so that you might walk in a manner worthy. Why does Paul want us to know? <laughs> so that we might walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him. I don't know, have you ever wondered, you know, why so much fuss, you know, at Holy Cross about, you know, the Word and understanding? Why all this explanation? Uh, even on Sunday morning, is going into detail so that people might understand what they're reading and why it's important. It's because of this. <laughs> because you don't, you don't get to the purpose and the intended result without the thing 
from the beginning, the foundation, which is an understanding of God, the knowledge of God's will and spiritual wisdom and spiritual insight. And so it's not, not just about knowing. Indeed, true, true knowing always leads to doing. In fact, if it doesn't lead to doing, you don't really know it in the way that God intended for you to know it. Donald Miller, in his book, Blue Like Jazz, said, what I believe is not what I say I believe. What I believe is what I do. I mean, you, you could give so many examples of this. We all say together, you know, it's more blessed to give than to receive. <laughs> really? <laughs> then why don't you give more? <laughs> well, it's not that much of a blessing. It's more blessed to keep than to give, right? So I may say that. What does Miller say? What I believe is not what I say I believe. What I believe is what I do. Or as someone else has written, it's not simply knowing God's will, but doing it that counts. And so Paul says that true knowing will result in walking or living, and that's just a metaphor that was common in Paul's day. We, we don't use it much. We don't, I don't know that we use it at all. But to, to talk about walking in a certain way meant to be living, walking about, living your life, living in a manner that's worthy of the Lord. That is a life of true discipleship. The Lord reference here is Jesus, to walk in a manner worthy of Jesus. Or the, the Greek word for worthy is axios, which means equal or fitting. Um, it, it makes you think of uh, Jesus uh, when he describes the nature of true discipleship. In Matthew 10, beginning at verse 24, he says, A disciple is not above his teacher, rather a servant, and a servant is not above his master. Rather, it is enough for the disciple to be like the teacher and the servant like the master. Literally, this word axios in the Greek was sometimes used to talk about a scale that was even. You ever see, like Lady, uh, Lady Justice, you know, carries the scales, the ancient scales, and, and you have two dishes, and then, there, then there's a cross beam, and they're connected. And, and in ancient times, you would put a certain weight on one side. And then whatever it is, gold or whatever it is that you were buying, you were weighing to maybe to, to sell or to make a purchase. To, to, you, knew it was, you knew what it weighed when it, when it became equal to the thing that you, you knew that this weighed something. And now you put this in. And, now, and, and when it was equal, it was called axios, <laughs> worthy. Fitting, equal. And so this is what it means to walk and to live in a way that's worthy of the Lord. <laughs> He's the rabbi, we are the disciple, and when we're doing what he does and saying what he says and thinking what he thinks, or Paul's saying, it's no longer I, but Christ is living in me, then we're walking in a way that's worthy of the Lord, and it all begins with understanding what God wants for us and us possessing as a gift from God spiritual wisdom and spiritual understanding. 
And Paul adds that to live this way is to be fully pleasing to the Lord. Can you imagine? Jesus talked about this in his parables. About the Lord of the manor saying to the servant, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. That's an expression of pleasure. I'm pleased with what you do. And when we walk worthy of the Lord, it's pleasing to him. This is reminiscent. I was thinking about Jesus' own life. It's interesting. You know, Jesus himself was a disciple of sorts. He followed the Father, and then he calls us to follow him. And in John chapter 8 and verse 29, Jesus talked about this on one occasion. He said, I always do those things that are pleasing to him who sent me. <laughs> he is walking in a way worthy of the Father. It just popped into my head, him, Philip saying, show us the Father. And Jesus said, Philip, have you been with me so long? You say, show me the Father. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. And the goal of our spiritual progress is to be able to say, if you've seen me, you've seen my rabbi. You've seen my Lord. You've seen my Jesus. And so that's the first thing. The first purpose for being filled with all spiritual knowledge and wisdom and understanding is that we might live a life worthy of the Lord. The second purpose for being filled with all spiritual knowledge and wisdom and understanding is that we might bear spiritual fruit in every good work. Indeed, notice again, beginning at verse 9. And so from the day that we heard about you, we've not ceased to pray for you, Timothy and me. And those others who are here with me as I'm under house arrest, asking that you may be filled with the knowledge of God's will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding, so as to walk in a way worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to him, bearing fruit in every good work. And so Paul says that true knowing will result in us bearing spiritual fruit in every good work. It's important, isn't it? What did James say? Faith without works is dead. Oh, I believe. Well, what do you believe? Well, let me tell you about it. I just took a three-part course on the subject of the Trinity. And let me tell you all about that. Let me tell you about all the five main components of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. And on and on and on. But then we don't do it. It's like going every week to the club and taking a, a class from the clubhouse pro and never really ever getting out on the course and playing golf. <laughs> you're, you're an expert at it. You just don't play the game yourself. Faith without works. Knowledge without works is what? Acceptable? <laughs> no, he says it's dead. And so knowing and believing so-called without works isn't enough. Or what did Jesus say about fruit and its importance? 
In John chapter 15 and verse 8, and by this my Father is glorified. <laughs> glorified in you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove <laughs> to be my disciples. Wow. Are you a Christ follower? Oh, yeah, I'm a Christ follower. I go to, I go to church once every seven weeks. I, I end Easter. I always make Easter and Christmas. Bearing much fruit. <laughs> that's, that's where the proving is. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and so prove to be my disciples. And what's the fruit? <laughs> what's the fruit of the Spirit? Where does the proving come? What does the fruit look like when Scott Thompson is doing it? Or you? Fill in the blank. <laughs> the fruit of the Spirit is love, agape, self-sacrificing love, not just, oh, I just love to be with you. Actually, agape love is love shown towards those with whom maybe you don't really like being with, but you're there to serve them and do what they need. The fruit of the Spirit is love and joy. I always love what David Taylor wrote in his book, of the Psalms as a guide for life. He said, to be full of God is to be full of joy. That's the greatest quote from that book. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, peacefulness, patience, which is one I sometimes struggle with, <laughs> kindness, that's mercy, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, which is another way of saying humble and self-controlled. And so it's not just about knowing, and some of us know lots. It's not just about knowing. Indeed, true knowledge is always about doing. And so that's the second purpose, for being filled with all spiritual knowledge and wisdom and understanding that we might bear spiritual fruit in every good work. Finally, the third purpose for being filled with all spiritual knowledge and wisdom and understanding is that we might be strengthened with all spiritual power. That we might be strengthened. That we might do good works, that we might bear fruit, that we might walk in a way that's worthy of the Lord, and that we might be strengthened with all spiritual power. Indeed, notice again verse 9. And so, from the day that we heard about you, Paul says, we have not ceased to pray for you, asking God that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will and all spiritual wisdom and understanding. So as, or that you might walk in a way worthy of the Lord. And then verse 11, being strengthened with all power according to God's glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. And so Paul says that uh, spiritual knowledge, wisdom, and understanding is meant to give us power. And some of you know what that experience is like. In fact, just the other day, I was just feeling down, you know, 
And I said, Lord, I'm going to take this rest, but I need you to... And I started, I laid on the bed for about five minutes, and then I, I'm reaching for my Bible. I got several Bibles on the nightstand, these little itty-bitty ones. Turned to the 27th Psalm. I said, that's what I need. I need, to hear, I need a word from you, Lord. And uh, I read it, and I was empowered by it. Being remembering the truth and allowing that truth to encourage me. And then I laid my head down and I slept for half an hour. <laughs> That's empowering. And so spiritual knowledge and wisdom and understanding is meant to give us power. And not just any power, but Paul's very specific. It's God's power. Interesting, you will remember Francis, it was Francis Bacon who said famously that knowledge is power. He's talking about scientific knowledge. But then it was Jesus who said, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall what? Make you free. That's power. And so true knowing is a powerful thing. And Paul says that possessing divine power through true knowing does two things. First, it gives us what we need to endure. That happened to me, I think, uh, this last Saturday. Well, it was yesterday, wasn't it? The power to endure, that is the power to remain faithful, the power not to lose heart. We walk by faith, not by sight. And yet sometimes in my own life, and maybe you resemble this, uh, what I see is the thing that controls my heart and controls my mind, and I need to be brought back. And the thing that brings me back, the thing that brings you back, is the truth. And so this divine power that comes to us through true knowing gives us what we need to endure, to remain faithful, or as Peterson puts it in the message, to stick it out over the long haul. I love that. Secondly, divine power through true knowing gives us what we need to be patient. Notice, patient with joy. What an extraordinary expression. I mean, it's kind of like this. Patience is hard enough. <laughs> Now you want me to do it with joy? Isn't it interesting that both of those characteristics are part of what makes up the fruit of the Spirit? Of the nine characteristics of the fruit of the Spirit, two of them are joy and patience. In fact, when the Spirit of God is filling me, I do them all together. I love, I rejoice, I'm at peace, I'm patient. I'm gentle, I'm meek, I'm good. I'm controlling myself by his power. They all come together. And this divine power that comes through divine knowing allows us to do that. In fact, one of the things I try to remind myself, especially these things that might seem sort of difficult, you know, that Jesus says result in the development and the achievement of the higher virtues. That I don't have to be patient. I don't have to be merciful. I don't have to be loving. I get to be loving. I get to be merciful. I get to be patient. And then all of a sudden, I get a smile across my face, even as I think of it, that it's not just an obligation. It's a privilege that you and I get to do. 
And so true, the true purpose of spiritual knowing is at least threefold. And that is that we might live a life worthy of the Lord, that we might bear spiritual fruit in every good work, and that we might be strengthened with all spiritual power. The true purpose of spiritual knowing. How are you doing with that? <laughs> Let us pray. Sort of an extraordinary thing when we think of the context in which this comes about. Or if we think about the Apostle Paul who's waiting for your son Jesus to come at any moment, I don't suppose, Lord, that he's thinking in his mind like, hey, you know what? All these letters I'm writing and having sent to all these different churches, someday they're going to be collected up and turned into a book. And they're going to call it the New Testament. And I'm going to be known all around the world. No, he's just writing letters like we write letters. And when we think that as he's hears about the believers at Colossae that he prays to you in this way and for these things, the same things that we need to accomplish, to accomplish the purposes that you would have us accomplish. Oh, Lord, deliver us from cultural Christianity. Deliver us, Lord, from coming in this place to be consumers of spiritual goods and and, and, uh, and surfaces. Help us to hear and to see what it is that you're trying to do in our lives to conform us more into the image of your Son, that we might know the truth and be set free by it, that we might be filled with your power and given everything that we need to live lives that are commensurate with the example that we have in your Son, our Savior, Jesus Christ. In this we pray in his name. Amen.